Welcome to my podcast, Dermatologist Talks Science of Beauty. I'm Dr. Tio Wan Lin, and today's podcast is going to be all about astaxanthin. Well, you may have heard me mention that in the previous podcast episode, um, and I am going to share more details about this superfood. Active ingredient that is incorporated in my latest blush and lip formula. So astaxanthin is actually considered a micronutrient. More specifically, it's a carotenoid. It's naturally occurring in bacteria and algae, and it's been well established to have diverse biological properties, both in the laboratory setting as well as in clinical studies. So carotenoids um, refer to the pigment uh, producing micronutrient that we identify in orange red yellow colored fruits and vegetables and common sources of carotenoids in foods would be tomatoes capsicum now it is very unique um, astaxanthin uh, that it is derived from marine algae because of its evolutionary um, background it's very well adapted to ultraviolet light um, and its ability to fight off oxidative damage is also very much closely related to this so we start with the topic of nutraceuticals here so nutraceuticals are uh, perhaps to be considered an offshoot of the cosmeceutical industry. Um, so these are uh, pharmaceutically active health supplements that are not prescription medications that have been purported to improve skin health specifically via its ability to reduce oxidative stress which is relevant when we talk about aging um, as part of the skin exposome concept where both genetics and environmental factors are critically involved in biological aging. In particular, I want to emphasize uh, the evidence behind the photoprotective properties of astaxanthin, which has been postulated uh, to be a result of it uh, being naturally found in marine algae uh, where there is chronic uh, exposure to ultraviolet light. So this is very relevant because we've heard about the effects of blue light on hyperpigmentation and uh, we question whether uh, conventional sunblock is sufficient for protection against blue light induced hyperpigmentation in individuals who have pre-existing pigmentary disorders like melasma, uh, solar lentigenase. Uh, and in this case, astaxanthin does have a very unique role to play uh, because we know it is super well adapted to block blue light and because of its innate antioxidant properties as a member of the carotenoid family. So antioxidant 
really means that it enables the cells to repair damaged DNA. And this is a key reason why younger people and even children may be exposed to ultraviolet light, but do not develop skin signs of aging the way adults after the age of 25 do. Whatever DNA repair that uh, is required to keep your skin looking youthful, young skin cells are well equipped to do that naturally. And we also talk about inflammation uh, being a core driver of the process of inflammaging. Uh, so this is very relevant because these botanical antioxidants also have anti-inflammatory benefits. So I'm just going to reference this study, which is a systematic review uh, published in the Journal of Dietary Supplementation this year, where the authors studied the effect of astaxanthin supplementation on skin health. So in total, they found six randomized placebo-controlled double-blind trials, uh, and the results was pretty promising in that astaxanthin supplementation, now this is oral supplementation, actually improved skin texture. The appearance of the wrinkles as well as moisture content uh, was also improved at the end of the study period. Uh, additionally, it seemed to protect against ultraviolet-induced skin damage, which is consistent with the data that we have on topically applied astaxanthin. Um, for now, uh, we should note that these studies were actually conducted mostly on healthy Japanese females, but then to date, there were no serious adverse events reported in these studies. The relevance of edible cosmetics does open up our eyes to a new world of nutraceuticals and cosmeceuticals, which can work synergistically in a holistic way to improve your skin health and combat photoaging. So in terms of a um, paradigm shift from what has been practiced in the field of cosmetic dermatology, I feel that this is a promising um, milestone. So in the last decade, the field of aesthetic dermatology has been increasingly practiced by non-dermatologists. And in fact, this field of aesthetic medicine, uh, where physicians are usually general practitioners, are dedicated to only performing these procedures or advising on methods to combat photoaging, has emerged. So I think that while there is certainly a role for injectables and lasers, uh, I do perform these in my practice. Um, injectables such as fillers and Botox in conjunction with skin treatments such as lasers and chemical peels. These are a small part of the practice of dermatology in cosmetic dermatology itself, um, which is at the end of the day, not quite the um, full representation of what a true skin expert, a medical expert um, should have the expertise and knowledge in. So at the core of our practice, our training is to first identify skin pathology. And that's clearly missing from the field of aesthetic medicine. And in this, we want to be aware that we are first of all concerned with photoaging, not because of its unwelcome cosmetic manifestations, but also because of the increased 
propensity for individuals with photo-age skin to develop ultraviolet-associated skin pathology. Chronic actinic dermatitis is the medical term for advanced photoaging, and in these individuals, they have a high risk of developing skin cancers. So we've heard of melanoma and non-melanoma skin cancers. Precancerous lesions such as actinic keratosis are all associated with ultraviolet-induced photoaging. So I feel that the active direction that dermatologists ought to be taking in the field of cosmetic and aesthetic dermatology is to emphasize the importance of health, a health-based approach to photoaging rather than an approach where we're simply looking at the reversal of signs of skin aging, uh, which are all, unfortunately, temporizing measures, which means that after six months, the effects are gone. And then you need to do it again. So as an approach, uh, I feel that it's not sustainable. I think we all had a taste of what that means in the post-COVID era where, uh, you know, on and off lockdowns makes it impossible for us to regularly visit uh, physicians for these treatments. And besides, these are also all activities that require you to remove your face mask. Something I spoke about in my latest book launch, Edible Beauty, which has just been released on Amazon Kindle, um, is on nutraceutical interventions in anti-aging and the role of superfoods. Astaxanthin, um, in that aspect, is considered a superfood, and we've included this in the um, latest Happy Blush formula. And ultimately, I feel that the messaging here is far more meaningful. Um, as a woman, we wear makeup for ourselves. It's not just about feeling good and looking presentable, but lipstick in particular is the very thing that would change your look in a matter of seconds. And also the uh, cheek area is something, uh, first of all, that is um, part of the larger surface area of your face. And also the part where we are concerned with pigmentation the most. This is because the cheek prominences uh, are, in a sense, less sheltered from ultraviolet exposure compared to the um, other parts which are less prominent on the facial, uh, in terms of the facial bone structure. So our perception of beauty and, uh, you know, certainly this podcast is not just about the medical aspect or the scientific aspect of it, but also the psychological perception of beauty. I, I think it's important for us to touch on the fact that we use our five senses to interpret all the information that we are perceiving. So it is very intuitive that in our pursuit of beauty, we are also looking on the inside the therapeutic aspects of um, beauty must not be overlooked. So this is a very symbolism of the happy blush as 
something that I created um, in a post-COVID world. We started research into this active ingredient in 2019, and it's taken us two years to bring it to fruition. The saffron extract, also known as Coca Sativa, is actually a very interesting evidence-based ingredient in terms of it enhancing your natural endorphins. And um, of course, the studies are from uh, edible sort of saffron uh, supplementation. But when we incorporate this into a skincare product, uh, I think it opens up a new world of using food to color your skin. And especially when we know that there is such a beautiful story behind happiness and saffron extract and a happy blush or a happy glow. Something that we all would uh, certainly need more of in today's depressing climate. But also the idea that these botanical actives are themselves innately full of antioxidants that help to fight pigmentation, are anti-inflammatory, and all that actually helps to address the inflammation process that's part of skin aging. I think the other aspect that we should touch on here is the constituents of coloring in our makeup because ultimately makeup serves a function of covering up imperfections, enhancing your skin tone, as well as improving color and adding some sort of dynamism and interest to an individual's face. But with a lot of the commercially available makeup, we find that these pigments are adulterated with fillers uh, simply because it's more economical to produce um, these types of cosmetics rather than pure minerals. So it is certainly the premise that we built on uh, with 100% pure mineral pigment formula that's possible in our lip lab simply because we do manufacturing in very small batches. So this, of course, also addresses the um, concept that mass-produced makeup will have inadvertent lead contamination because of environmental exposures. So small batch production actually eliminates this risk. At the end of the day, I feel with the launch of the Happy Blush, I really want to bring forth this message to all our uh, supporters, my followers, a message of being unique and just being yourself. And as an individual, you have to be authentic. Don't copy anyone else because other people can see through it. Well, we're all chasing after perfection and you may find that someone else is doing things far more perfectly than you are. Good, get inspired, but don't copy them because it is inauthentic. And human psychology is very interesting in that it can pick up 
inauthenticity, which is why we are naturally drawn to individuals who seem authentic, genuine, who um, subconsciously communicate to other people that they are altruistic simply because they are who they are. Now, I think that one can only be truly happy when you are absolutely yourself, not trying to be anyone else. And if you are, you won't look beautiful to another person or at least an individual with maturity. After a while, I think we all can tell. And at the end of the day, we do desire authenticity above everything else. And this is why they often say that imitation is the greatest form of flattery rather than a threat. But by imitating an ideal of beauty, uh, I feel is rather artificial. And if you try to use nature herself as a barometer, as a standard, you'll find that this path that we take may well go wrong. In any case, my true calling is as a physician. So the heart of medicine is preservation of your body health. And as a dermatologist, we prioritize skin health. So this brings us to the end of today's podcast episode. We've touched quite a bit on this superfood astaxanthin nutraceuticals, as well as the importance of embracing imperfections, authenticity, preserving your individuality, all of which are critical in your pursuit of true beauty. 